ready to get in the Word this morning? Good, I'm glad you are. I told Pastor Ben, stay at the keyboard because I don't know what's going to happen this morning because this morning I did not come to preach to you a sermon. And I'm going to try to control my emotions this morning. Because God didn't give me a message, a sermon to preach to you this morning. He gave me a revelation in my prayer time that I feel like I have to share and I cannot move forward until I share it. I'll give you the storyline that led me into this moment, that led me to preaching this message. I came into prayer. And if you can't feel that, I don't know what's wrong. I came into prayer last week. I walked into the sanctuary to do what I always do. I tell you all, I pray up here all the time. This is where I pray. This is my prayer closet. This is where I spend my time with God. And I walked into the back of the room, and I got to the back row, and God said, stop. Go, Pastor, God really told you? I felt it so quickened in my chest that I could not take one more step. And I stood at the back seat, and this is what God told me. He said, your position doesn't qualify you. He said, you can't go up to the front and pray today. Because this is what I do. This is, and, and I don't mean this heartily. I don't mean this in a haughty way. But I worked hard to get to this place. There's a seat right there that says reserved for Pastor Brian because that's where I sit on Sunday mornings. And God started to deal with me. He said, you've earned none of it. I've given all of it. And I sat back there and God said, sit down. And I sat back there and I just began to pray. And God started to deal with my heart. And he said, Brian, he said, I don't want you to. You've got to stop positioning or walking into my presence based on your position. Based on who you are or what you've done or where you've been or what you do today. I need you just to pursue me because it's what you desire to do. And so many times in our walk as believers, we pursue God based on the religious thought. We pursue God based on, well, because we go to church, we probably should pray. Because we got saved, we should probably pray. Rather than having a desire to commune with God, rather than having a desire just to have a conversation with Him and to listen to what He might say to us in that moment, might not even deal with what you're walking through. Come on, let's be honest. Most believers today only pray based off a necessity or a need that they want God to fulfill rather than just having a relationship with Him. And so as I sat back there, God began to deal with my heart, not because I was in sin, not because I had failed, but because I had become, I had begun to overlook the humble phase of my existence. See, I tell you the stories all the time of me sitting in, in a, at a piano or sitting in a sanctuary of 4,000 seats and preaching to chairs, believing God that one day he might use me. Believe me, that one day he might purpose me to preach the gospel, that I might be able to stand at a pulpit and declare the word to people and watch their lives be radically changed. But sometimes I forget about the kid who was working at 18 years old at a law firm who would get up at 6 o'clock every morning, an hour and a half before he had to go to work, and turn on some worship music and lay himself on the floor before God would not get dressed would not do a thing I just needed God to talk to me I didn't know that there was a call on my life to preach the gospel I didn't know there was an anointing on my life to declare the captives free I didn't know that I would stand at a pulpit I just wanted God's presence for some reason we overlook that because today's culture is a needy culture who walks with a hand out going, God, give me, give me, give me. Instead of God, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. That even times I have gone to God in prayer to give me a word for you rather than God give me a word for me. Well, don't look at me like you don't know. Because this is what we do today. We position ourselves based on the seniority of our walk as a believer. Well, I've been in the church 40 years. I've been in the church six months. I've been in the church today. I, I don't, I'm not going to call him out by name, but there's a young man in this room that he doesn't even know how proud I am of him. And he's only been in the church for a couple weeks. Because he keeps coming back looking for God, not looking for me. 
He's not looking for the church religiosity. He's not looking for the three points in a poem. He's not wondering how many songs we're going to sing. He keeps showing up going, something is there and I need it. It's my pursuit. It's what I live for. It's what I long for. Can I ask you a question? Are you in this room because this is the throne room of God? Or are you in this room because church is what we do on Sundays? I am tired of people not walking in the fullness of who God is because we're just pursuing moments. Get me to next Sunday. Get me to next Sunday. What happens when your Sundays wear out? What happens when there's no more Sundays left? One of the things over the years I've had to talk a lot about is my mortality. None of this matters. The only thing that matters to my mortality is this. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Inquire in his temple and gaze upon his beauty. Oh, that I might not be rejected at that door. But that when God sees me coming, his arms spread wide and say, come home, son. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well done, thou good and faithful pastor. Not done, thou well and good and faithful church attender. Not, not well done, thou good and faithful Christian. Not well done, thou good and faithful worship singer. Not well done, thou good and faithful usher and greeter. Not well done, thou good and faithful kids church worker. No, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Baby, let me help you with something. Worship is servanthood. It is not the requirement. It is a desire to serve God with your spirit. That I might worship him with everything I've got. I sat in that back seat and I sat there in weeping and moments of crying and said, God, I, I, I thought I was there. God, I've been doing this for so long. He said, Brian, it's not that you did it wrong. I'm taking you to another level. You didn't, you didn't break the system. You always tell me, God, take me from glory to glory to glory. Do you understand that if you pray that, I've got to take you to another level? So now I'm revealing a greater depth of my relationship with you, that your position is not access to my throne room. It is just you. You are good enough. I didn't call Pastor Brian. I called Brian. The pastoralship was a blessing out of the relationship that you and I carry. Why are you saying all this? Because I think sometimes we think that you have to have position for God to hear you. And we almost go to God as if your prayers aren't good enough. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? I, I know what the Bible says, and, and, and I'm, I'm not above praying for your situations or praying with you or standing in agreement with you. But baby, will you understand that you have the same access I got? This, this, this podium, this pulpit doesn't give me a side room access. You could be me who's been in this game since 18. Or you could be Jacob. Who's walking in it and walking and seeing how big God is in the process. You could be Sean. Who's had a life and death experience. You could be Miss Pat who's had her son taken from him and could have questioned God, but still kept worship, worshiping him in the middle of it. There's no one in here that doesn't deserve access, but you've just got to come as you are. you just got to say, God, I'm not coming to you perfect. I'm coming to you as me. God, just receive me. God, I know there are things in me that you want to work on, but I'm here. And I'll let you do it. And it might be tough, but I'll trust you. I'm tired of waiting for the one day. I believe the word says that this is the day the Lord has made. If the Lord made this day, then why am I not walking in the fullness of who he is this day? Let me share, you this word, share with you this word that God gave me just for a few moments. And then I'm going to close this thing in a different way than I've ever closed a sermon. 
in hopes and prayer that you're in the right room at the right time to receive the right thing from God. And I pray that you would open up your spirit because I feel the presence of God so heavy in this place, I can't even breathe. You don't have to turn there in your Bible. Just follow along and listen. Let this be just a moment for you to receive. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. It says, And David was wearing a linen ephod. To give you understanding of the story of where we are, David is king. He has been appointed king. He's taken 30,000 of his greatest men to go and retrieve the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, the presence of God. He took 30,000 men to get the presence of God. Do you understand that David had to understand that there was something great about that ark? Something great about that presence that he was willing to take 30,000 people with him to go get it? In the process of the retrieval, a man named Uzzah dies because God had instructed that no one was to touch the ark. Not one person was to touch the ark. And they had placed it on a brand new ox cart. And when the ox cart was moving the, uh, to a place called Nakor, as it was moving, it hit a bump and the ark began to fall. And Uzzah, out of respect for the, of the presence of God, tried to stop it from falling. The Bible says that God, in his anger, it's in your Bible, that in his anger, he struck down Uzzah killed him on the spot. David, in his frustration, got mad at God. He said, God, I don't understand why you would do this. I'm sure there was more conversation. I'm sure David probably said something like, God, he was trying to protect it. But here's the thing about it. If it's the presence of God, it doesn't need to be protected. Do you think God would let his presence be broken? So David says this in that part of Scripture leading up into these verses. He says to God, he says, I don't understand why you would choose me. Can I just say this as a sidebar? God did choose you. I was reminded as a kid, I wanted to be used by God so bad. Man, I, and I'm not saying this. I joke with my mom about this all the time, but my brother, my brother's name is Joseph Israel. And, and my brother was prophesied by many ministers that he would preach the gospel. Many. And I always wondered where my place was. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> wondered where your place was. Well, God, I'm not like them. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have that name. Nobody's prophesied over me. No one's, no one's called me out of the crowd. No one's, pastor hasn't pointed me out in the middle of service. Well, but God, what about me? What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to listen to the voice of God and know that he has chosen you. But I'm not as qualified. You, God didn't ask for your qualifications. He asked for you. He said, be a vessel. David in his knowing, I mean, come on. This, this, this man was appointed king, anointed king by Samuel while he was out tending the sheep. And then he was anointed king, and the oil from the ram's horn wouldn't flow until David was present. Come on, what other sign and miracle and wonder do you need? And in this moment, David begins to question his ability or his qualifications to bring the ark to the tabernacle that God had instructed him to build. So he leaves the ark at Obed-Edom's house. For three months, he leaves it there. He gets word three months later that the blessings of God were all over Obed-Edom's home. The blessings of God were because the presence of God rested in his home. Could you imagine if somebody brought the ark to your house? <laughs> what would you do if you had to pass the ark every morning in your living room? Woo! I'd be on the floor all the time. Ah! In that box is the fullness of God. The presence Jehovah is in that box. Here's the crazy part. And this is the part that leaped out to me. When Jesus died, the Bible says the veil was torn in two. And that means that the presence now is accessible to you. Did you know that the presence, that the ark of God is in your living room right now? And for some reason, we get caught up that we got to wait till Sunday to get to the ark. 
We got to wait till Sunday to give him our best praise. We got to wait till Sunday to worship him. We got to wait till Sunday to pray. We got to wait till Sunday to look our best or present our best. But that when Jesus died, the presence became available to all. Why is it that we're not walking in it? Why are we waiting till a Sunday to get the I don't need to wait till a Monday morning to come in here and pray. I can get him today. I can get him tonight. I can get him first thing in the morning when I crawl out of bed. I can get him in the shower. I can get him while I take my kids to school. I can get him while I'm walking him up to the school and praying for him. I can get him when I'm walking back to my car. I can get him when somebody cuts me off and somebody flips me the bird. I can get him no matter what. But you got to choose. You got to make a decision what you're pursuing because if all you're doing is pursuing moments, you'll never walk in the fullness of God. Still at the back of the room. God won't let me move. Your position doesn't qualify you today, Brian. You don't have access to your pulpit. You just need access to me. Seek me and watch what I do. So we get to this part in verse 12 where it says, So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with the shouting, with shouting and with sounds of the trumpet. I need to deal with one verse for just a moment, verse 14. It says, then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. When was the last time the presence of God got all of your might? When was the last time that God got all of your energy, not just the portion you felt like cutting off in your existence for the day? That God got everything until your flesh was worn out and your spirit man took over. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And it says, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Now, I've read some version that says he was wearing a priestly garment. But the more I've let, read into it, the more I've studied it, the truth be told, he was wearing a linen ephod. For those of you that think that David danced naked, he was not naked. He was not in a buff. He was not running around in his birthday suit. He had a cloth. And it wasn't just a loincloth. It was a cloth that went from the waist down to the thigh. Okay, it covered the majority of his body. It did not show off anything, but it was an undergarment. It was not a garment that you normally wore on the outside. It was an undergarment. It was actually an undergarment of a priestly robe. The ephod is an undergarment of the priestly robe. And it says that he stripped off his garments. Now, understand that David is king, but he is not a priest. But he was of the Davidic covenant. I know I'm getting real deep on you for a second. He was the lineage of Jesus. He had a right to wear the priest's garment. So the Bible says that he stripped off his priestly garments. He stripped off his priestly garments and became flesh. I hate when God does this. Because the more I start getting this, the deeper the revelation gets. It's the same thing that God did with Jesus. He stripped off his priestly garments and brought his son and brought him to the earth as flesh and said, I will give up my flesh so that you might live. David was already doing it before David, before Jesus ever came into the earth or came into that moment. David was demonstrating, you don't need to be somebody of importance. You just have to be somebody. He strips off his priestly robe. He strips off his garment. And the Bible says he danced before God. And this is where God nailed me on the back road. It says that David was not trying to show off. David was showing off his nothingness, not his who he was. He was showing off the, his humility. And that's what gave him access to the presence of God. The way I kind of saw it was David had a lions, tigers, and bears moment. He was reminded of sitting off in the fields. He said, look where I've come. Look what we've done. But how did I get here? See, this is the problem with us not walking in the presence of God anymore is that we forget how we got here. We just are here. But what got you here? What level of worship, what level of prayer, what level of pursuit did you have that puts you in this moment? Not, not because you, you're a good little Christian. That makes me nauseous. Because there were days in my life that I sat in a field tending to sheep that weren't even mine. They were my daddy's. And because I loved my dad, I tended his sheep. That was his money, not mine. My brothers were mad at me, but, but I just kept tending. They, they probably called me a suck-up to my dad. 
brown noser, probably got called every name in the book. But it was in those moments that I would take my harp and I would sit on the hillside and I would worship God because it's just what I did. And when the lions and the bears would come, I would warn them off, sling a rock at them, kill them. Didn't know that all that time God was preparing me to slay a giant. Didn't know that I would ever be anointed king. <laughs> Who am I? I know the Bible says that David walks away from the covenant, questions his qualifications. I think, I think he spent the majority of his life doing that. David has a man killed, and yet God still chooses him. And the Bible declares all through Scripture that he was a man after God's own heart. Truth be told, he was a man after the presence of God, not the positions of churchdom. He was pursuing a relationship, something that would be greater in his existence rather than just another moment, just another time, just another Sunday of two hours and saying, I paid my penance. But no, I, I live my life pursuing the presence of God. But the David danced with his ephod on. When was the last time you stripped off your Christianity and just was acting like a child of the king? You stripped off your seniority. You stripped off. Can I just say this to you? Even the most senior believers, I've watched people walk in in one day and get more out of one day than a person sitting in the church for 40 years. You know why? Because they came in looking for Jesus, not looking for the church. There's a cultural issue in our church today where people are leaving the church because they're offended. They're offended with people. That's the problem. We've come to church looking for people, not looking for Jesus. We've come to the church wondering who's going to say hi to me, who's going to love on me, who's going to take care of me, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. Jesus is the only one that can do that. Can you just come looking for him? Can you just show up? Have you ever thought about this for just a second? Have you ever thought what would you do if you got to heaven? What would you look for first? I used to tell this to people. I said, I'm going to find Peter first. I want to find Peter because it's always been an ambition in my life to walk on water, and I want to do it with him. But the older I get and the more I seek God, forget all that. I don't want any of that. I can get to Peter later. I can get to the distractive moments of the storytelling later. I can get to those pieces later. I need to see the one I've been serving all of my life. Where is he? Because here's the truth of it. Those who seek him shall find him. I really believe, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe there are people that will end up in heaven that will go, I want to go over here and check out the mansion. I don't care about the mansion. I don't care about the streets of gold. Can you just tell me where the throne room is? I've been worshiping my entire life. I've been to hell and back, serving this God. I've had people attack me, talk about me, run amok on me, do all kinds of stuff, but yet I've stayed faithful. And the door opened, and I heard, well done that. Where is the throne room? Why do you want to go to the throne? Because I just... just want to see Jesus. There's got to be a reason for all of this. There's got to be. So David dances before the Lord and goes on in verse 16. It says, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, who was Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. You ever anybody despise your worship? Can, can I say this as a sidebar to you? They're not mad at you. They're mad that they're not walking in what you're walking in. Don't let other people's opinions about your worship stop you from worshiping. Let them have their opinions. They too will come to the understanding that you now walk in today. That it, you had to go through some stuff to get to some stuff. And sometimes you got to go through some moments so that you can worship him in spirit and in truth. Let them talk. Michal's daughter, or, or Michal was Saul's daughter. Saul was supposed to be king, but God removed Saul as king and made David king. His daughter was mad because David was walking in the kingship that was created by his relationship. So many times we're looking for kingship. Without relationship. We come to God all dressed up and God says, strip it off. Take off your church. Take off 
your religion. Take off everything else and just make it between you and me. This is where I'll birth the greatest thing in you when it's just you and me. When you come to me as an empty vessel, when you come to me as a blank canvas and let me paint my greatest masterpiece, don't come to me with your masterpiece already painted and go, look, God, how good am I? goes on verse 17, it says, So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Hmm. Would God put his ark in your house? Are you a place that the presence of God can dwell? I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of times in my life that I'm not. I might be alone by myself this morning, but I will tell you there are a lot of times in my life that my room is not qualified to receive the covenant. I might have said something. I might have made a decision. I might have not handled things right. Can I be honest with you? And I'm just going to say this. This is just as we go. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, that what allows the presence of God to dwell in my house is if I have peace with my family. That I love my wife today. Now the presence of God comes. That I love my boys and my daughters. Pastor, it's, it's more than that. No, I think it's simple. For the word says to be a good steward of what God's given you. Everything I have in this life is not deserved. It's granted. It's been blessed. I've been graced with it. I tell people all the time that I'm a father because God chose me to be a steward of four children. But they are not mine. They are his. I did not breathe life into them. He did. And God chose me. He deemed me. Can I just say this? I feel like David ushering in the ark. I look at my four kids and my wife and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who am I? I'm not qualified for this. I'm not qualified to lead these four kids. But if I understood God's love for me and his presence in me, I would understand that he has qualified me, not my position. But his presence that dwells in me has given me the ability to do it. When there is strife in my home, I am telling the presence of God that it cannot dwell. Work with me for a second. There's a reason why David built a tabernacle to put the ark into it. There's a reason why the tabernacle has levels, layers, outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. Why? Because it has to be a place that is reserved. Are you reserved? Are you all dressed up? Present yourself as all, 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 all the ways you need to be, but yet on the inside there's really nothing there. Have you come to church and seen the presence of God move but never experienced it? Have you come to an altar call hoping that God would single you out, hoping that God would speak to you, hoping that God would do something great in your life and walk back to your car and go, well, maybe next week. Well, I'm glad he talked to everybody else. Let me give you a story real fast. I was 19 years old. There was a man by the name of Kim Clement that came to the church that I was working at. I was hungry at that season of my life. Man, I wanted, those were the days where I was on my face every morning. You can ask my mama, every morning at 6 o'clock, I was on my face. I'd have the music playing. My room became a place, a sanctuary in our house where my family would come into and sit down and fall asleep in my bedroom. I can tell you stories all day of what God did in that season of my life. But here's what happened. I was in that service that night. And God, I kept going, God, I know he's got a word. He's got a word for it. This was a prophetic man. I said, I know he's got a word. God, give me a word. And God said, if you'd shut up long enough, I'd give you one myself. You keep waiting for a man to speak to you, and I'm still trying to talk to you. The reason I send a prophet is because most people are too stubborn to hear my voice. The prophet was sent because we were ignorant to listen to God. And when God gave us a word, we didn't want to believe it. So he sent a prophet to bring clarification or to bring utterance back into our lives. Because sometimes we believe man more than we believe God. I know that was a tough one. I'm not devaluing the office of the prophet. But what if you could just get it from the prophet? 
Are you willing to go into his presence and let him tell you everything you don't want to hear or only the things you want to hear? Seventeen, it says that they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. I love when it says that if you read that in another translation, he offered dead things and living things. He let the dead things die and brought life, asked for life in the midst of his place. When you come into the presence of God, you should let the dead things die. The presence of God is to kill the dead things and so that the living things can live. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And this is what I thought was amazing. It says in verse 19, then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, life, a piece of meat, sustenance, cake of raisins, pleasure. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. When you pursue the presence of God more than you pursue the position of your walk as a Christian, I, you know my theory on this. You know my, my terminology on this. I don't like the word Christian. I think it is a falsely used term. The word Christian was created as a word of segregation. Whether you believe it or not, read your Bible. The word Christian was a bad word to us who believed in Christ. We were named that as crazy folk. No, you're, you're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. When your word, every time God speaks, he declares over you as a believer. This happened to me about two years ago where God says, you're not a Christian. Stop telling everybody you're a Christian. You're a believer. When you believe in something, you do. When you're a Christian, you just have a title. But when you're a believer, you really, because what you believe on the inside of you, you live. And they distributed all these things. When you have the presence of God, when you truly are pursuing the presence of God as you, not as somebody else, not as the made-up you, not as the Sunday church you, when it is just you pursuing God, this is what starts to break free in your life. The loaf of bread, the life of God starts breathing in you. The piece of meat, the sustenance, the sustaining power of God manifests you. The cake of raisins comes and brings you pleasure. All of these things come and start to manifest in your life, and God begins to bring forth supernatural outpourings in your life. This is what the presence of God brings. If you go before God and you pray and you walk out with nothing, you are not pursuing the presence of God as a humble vessel. You are pursuing them based on your title. Because let me tell you something, I've gone to prayer as pastor. I've walked out with nothing. I've sat in this room on this floor, laid on this floor and asked God to speak to me and I've heard nothing. And there have been moments where I go, God, what is that? And then there are those moments where out of reflex, out of, out of just, oh, I need to, not because I have to, not because it's what part of my weekly regiment, but because I have a desire to go spend time with God. See what you, this morning I was getting up and getting dressed. All of a sudden my wife walks through the living, through the bedroom. We have a, a secondary closet and she's made that her prayer closet. She had a rug on there on the floor that says Ephesians 3, 20, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us. And all of a sudden, the door closes. It's Sunday morning. I'm the preacher. But yet my wife's in prayer before God. She didn't do it because she had to. She did it because there's a desire in her. And then I'm walking in the room, and she pulls me aside, and she goes, I need to share something this morning. Let me help you with something. I didn't need to ask what it was. Baby, I didn't even really care. She could have gotten up here and rebuked all of y'all. I don't care. <laughs> she wouldn't have done it unless she's like, no, no, that's not me. That's not her. But I knew because why? Because she had sought the presence of God. She didn't do it because she's Brian's wife. She didn't do it because we're pastors of a church. She did it because, listen, man, this is a moment that requires something greater than me. And I know where I'm going, so I might as well prepare the way. Let me go before the Lord. And then she said something that she said, God's called us to be watchmen. I've been married to my wife for 12 years, never heard that word come out of her mouth, not one time. When she said it, I knew. I was like, oh, yep, she heard the Lord. Because I knew, because it wasn't her vocabulary. It wasn't like her to say something like that. It was, it was out of the context of where she normally goes. If all you're doing is repeating and regurgitating, you're probably standing outside of the tabernacle hoping to get in. 
rather than having access into the presence of God. I'm still at the back of the room. It says there in verse 20, it says, Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. And this is what she said. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Basically, she called him a pervert. You study that, that's what she did. She called him a pervert. You perverted man, you showed off your stuff. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's that we're not showing God our stuff anymore. I don't think that Macau was mad at David. I think Macau was mad because if she opened up her closet, all of her stuff would fall out. And I think she lived under the pressure of hiding who she was because she was the daughter of the failed king. And she let her daddy's unwillingness to serve God become her pain. She was not mad at David. She was mad at the fact that her daddy wouldn't humble himself enough to serve the God of the universe. The, the, the God that David had declared to Saul. And Saul had opportunity after opportunity to give his heart to the Lord and live for God, yet kept rejecting him. This is the same Saul that put armor on David before he goes to fight Goliath. And David shrugs it off and goes, I don't need your armor, bub. I go with the hosts of armies of angels. And the Lord leads him to a, to a brook and he finds three small, smooth stones and kills a giant. Saul, who David kept worshiping and kept worshiping and kept worshiping, but yet Saul couldn't get over his kingship long enough to see that God was on him. Don't let your kingship ruin your relationship. Don't let your position destroy your pursuit. Get rid of your position and let the pursuit become the life that you live. You say, God, I give you my whole life. Does he really have the whole life? Or does he just have the moments that you've etched out of your tablet long enough to give him some access? Since that day, on that back row, every day, I, I'm literally, and I have to be honest with you, it, it's, it's almost creepy. I am not going into prayer time. I'm living in prayer time. What do you mean, Pastor? You mean you walk around praying all the time? You're so holy. It's not what prayer is. Prayer is communion with God. In other words, I'm walking around like this. All right, I'm listening. And then there are moments in my life that I want to say so much and I want to tell God how, how, God, I wish you could fix this or I wish you could fix that or I wish you could do this or I wish you could do that. God goes, shh. If you listen long enough, I'll deal with the things that are fighting you. Shh. Just seek my presence. Carry the ark. carry the ark she said how how great is it that you stood and danced like a goofball in front of everybody else and in front of the maidservants and i love what david says in verse 21 it was before the lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the lord over israel let me help you with something. There will always be haters of your worship. But they don't hate you. They hate that they're not walking in what you're walking in. Humility is the key to the presence of God. This is where I'll close. Verse 21, he says, therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. What he was saying was, I thought I was humble in the old days. But now I will walk in greater humility. I will be humble in my own sight. God, do you realize what he's saying? He's saying, I'm crucifying my eyes. 
I'm going to change how I see this. I'm going to be humble in my own sight. In other words, there is no, there is no I'm great. It's only he's great. I will be humble in my own sight, but as for the maidservants, watch what it says here. As for the maidservants whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. This is how God dealt with me at the end of this. He said, Brian, every person that you want to reach for the kingdom of God will not be found by your preaching or your church. It will be found by your pursuit of my presence. Because you cannot win a soul until I have all of yours. And if you will dance before me and live humbly in my presence, I will not just make you a fisher of men, baby. I'll bring the greatest harvest you've ever seen. And I have to trust God in that. Why are you saying all this? I think that the church in a lot of ways has gotten to a place where we do not care about the presence of God we just care about church attendance I've told you the stories of Miss Vera Washington an old church lady that she's being the choir loved, loved the woman to death she was at the church I worked for in Tampa and it was that Sunday after church, she was sitting on the stairs of the platform, and she was just sitting there, and I just sat next to her and started weeping and crying. I didn't even know why I was young. I didn't understand what was going on, and she just started rocking back and forth, and she just started humming. She started humming, great is thy faithfulness, and she said, baby, do you know why I'm sitting here? I said, no, ma'am. She says, I'm waiting on the Lord. This was after church. Baby, you didn't get him yet? Like, we all just had church. We bucked, shout, ran, did all this great stuff. And she said, no. She said, that was for that moment. I'm walking out with him personally. She began to just share things with me. Well, the other day on, on Facebook, which I don't check my Facebook very often, but for some reason she posted a message to me, and this is what she said. She said, I know you've been through a lot. She said, but the one thing that I can say about you, Brian, is that you never quit pursuing God. I'm tired of living all dressed up and no king to worship. So if that means I got to strip off every garment so that I can find him, I'll lay it all aside. See, here's the thing, and, and this, is, this is me. This is, I'm going to show you Brian for just a second, and I know we got to close, and I know you got to go home, and I, I know we got at churches, we have to have time limits, and we got to get them out an hour and a half, and da, 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 da. that's not seeking the presence, that's seeking lunch. Oh, we got to hurry up, we got to hurry up, we got things to do, we got things to do. What's more important than God? So, so, so let me, let me, without being weird, let me show you. spent the first three years of my life walking with God the first from 19 to 21 no yeah 19 21 I prayed my wife in on my face what do you mean I mean I was laid out on the floor this is what I told God hey God if you want me to be single the rest of my life I'll do it I would love to have a companion, but if you called me to do something different and I have to be single the rest of my life, I accept. Because I'd rather have you than have something that's not you. So I'll give you my life. I'll give you everything that I am. When was the last time you put your ego, your pride, your life on the side and just said, hey God, here I am. I was 19 years old, sitting in a church service. God said, go to the altar and lay on the, lay on the floor, lay flat on the floor. I was dumb. I didn't understand this stuff. I said, God, if I do that, they're all going to make fun of me. He said, be obedient. Do what I tell you. And I went up there and I laid on the floor in the middle of the service. I laid on the floor. 
And by the time I got up 10 minutes later, there were 400 people laying at the altar. And God said, all I needed was one person just to hear me call and be obedient. To give up their position and their status and their ego and their personalities long enough to be used by me. And so today I present myself not to you, but to God. God, I am not qualified to lead your presence. I am not qualified to carry this family that you've given me. I am not qualified to pastor this church. But I am qualified to pursue you with everything that I've got. When will you finally just accept that you're qualified and pursue him? This is your moment. It's no longer mine. much longer can you wait? Pastor, this is weird. This isn't weird. Read your Bible. It's all in there. You want God to use you? This is where it starts. You want to feel God? I'm not saying you got to come here and lay down, but can you, can you just not do the same old stuff you've always done? They say doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results is the definition of insanity. When? Well, you've been through too much. Life's been too hard on you. You can't, you can't go to that level. You'll walk out with your pain the way you walked in with it. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk out of this place free. Whole. Walking in the fullness of him. Not of my position. Not of the lights, not of the cameras, not, not of all this. I don't care. I don't, listen, if God strips all this away tomorrow, I don't even care. Pastor, don't say that. No, no. Mm -mm. The moment I live for the church is the moment I stop living for him. I don't do this for you. I do this for him. That servanthood is not about you. It's about him. To serve him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's my desire. If you do me a favor, will you just stand to your feet? I'm going to stay sitting right here for a second. But will you just stand to your feet for just a moment? I know what I preach is a tough thing because some of us want to say, well, I already knew all this. <laughs> then when will you experience it? I got a gentleman right here who's laying on the floor that can, struggling with all kinds of physical conditions but feels God tugging on his heart to go before the Lord. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. If you want to experience the presence of God, not another church service, will you do me a favor for just a moment and just lift both hands and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to experience the presence of God. While you stay in that atmosphere, this is the hardest sermon I've ever written in my life. If you look at my notes, there are no notes on there. They're just scripture. Because every time I tried to pin something of thought, God would erase it. So I said, you will not preach your word. You will preach mine. You will deliver my word to them. The presence of God. The thing that breaks the shackles. And it comes in different forms.
while you're in that moment, I got to say something. I just got to say it. Because on the inside, I want to scream and shout, but I can't. But there's a gentleman in this room that, man, I'm so ecstatic that's sitting in this room right now. Because last week I told him, I said, I didn't want to be his preacher. I just wanted to be his family. And I don't know what happened in that moment, but he's back here today. And I am rejoicing on the inside because my heart is whole and filled. And whether he realizes it or understands it all yet, it's okay. I believe that the same God who did in a magnificent work in my life will be the same God that does one in his. So here's how I'm going to close service. I'm going to step off this pulpit. And I'm going to let the worship team lead you in one last song. And I know it's 1145 and I know we got places to go. And if you got to go, that's your choice. But I feel like we had to end this in worship because God's presence wants to dwell in you and through you. And I'm going to ask that when you feel the presence of God that you worship with me. You don't worship because it's what we do as a church. You worship because it's in you to do it. Because before you walk out of this place, you're going to walk out with the presence of God. Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me, I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's
your spirit lives. Your spirit lives within me, so I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory. My victory. My victory. My victory. Your spirit. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in so we declare in this place that we are qualified to walk into your presence. Doesn't matter what stage of this we're at, God, we're qualified to come boldly into your throne room and receive what you would have for us. Father, I pray 
the shepherd of this house. That as we leave here today, God, we don't walk out with another church service. We walk out with the bread, the meat, and the raisin cakes. That we walk out with the fullness of your presence. For those that are watching us by Facebook today, I pray that the same anointing that's in this room will come right through that camera and just completely flip upside down the moment and the place that you're sitting in. I declare healing and deliverance to everyone that's watching. I declare healing and deliverance in this room right now. Father, I declare that we will be a people that pursues you out of our relationship, not of our positions. We come to you humbly today ready for you to speak to our hearts. We give you praise for what you've done in this place this morning. We give you praise for what you're going to do all week long. Father, this is a precursor to Monday Night Prayer. Go before us. Lead the way, God. And we'll follow. Give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great Sunday. We love you.